What's Up Future PTAs. For those of you taking the exam in January 2023, listen up. This message is for you because we are hosting a last minute review session on Sunday, December 18th to help recap everything, make you feel super prepared for exam day, address your anxieties, common topics that will show up on the exam, and have a live Q&A where we can answer questions and make sure you feel super prepared. The link is down in the show notes down below. Thank you for your continued support. Now on to the show. All right, everybody. So today we're going to be going over thoracic outlet syndrome. So this is one of our peripheral neuropathy, neurological disorders that usually happens due to an entrapment somewhere in the shoulder girdle area slash neck. So I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about it. This is a more common one. I actually have this on my right side pretty bad. Um, so I'll kind of demo a couple things of what's going on with thoracic outlet syndrome. If you're listening to this on a podcast, please check out this video on YouTube so I can demo the special tests and whatnot. And then also I've linked them in the description below. So let's get into it. So the anatomy. So we got to talk about the thoracic outlet, which is the area between the clavicle and the first rib. So we can see that there's a couple things that pass through here. We got our subclavian artery and vein. This is the main thing. This is where blood flow will be blocked when it becomes when it comes to thoracic outlet syndrome. So that'll be able to tell with um when we have the uh, vasculature involvement where we'll lose the pulse in the extremity. And so that is going to be one of the things that we will see with the special test that I'll talk about later. Um, you could also get thoracic outlet syndrome a little bit higher, and that would be in the interscalene triangle. So this is where all the scalene, remember we have our three scalenes where they kind of cross over each other, the little holes between our scalenes, our middle scalene, anterior scalene, basically area. That is where we will also see some entrapment of the nerves. And that's where we'll see more neurological symptoms versus vasculature symptoms. So in my case of thoracic outlet syndrome, if I start doing like the special tests and whatnot, everything goes numb for me. My pulse stays relatively the same. Um, it does diminish slightly, but it's more of my hand goes numb. That's what it is. So like, I can't, if I'm doing my hair, I can't keep my arms above my head, like doing my hair. Like, you know, if I was curling my hair or whatnot, or like putting my hair up into a thing or braiding my hair, I can't do that because my right hand just goes numb. And I'm like, well, there goes my dominant hand. I can't use that. So that's kind of what's going on with the scalenes where it would get entrapped in there, more neurological because that's where the brachial plexus is coming off. And then we could also see some numbness and other neurological symptoms happen in the subcoracoid space. Remember our coracoid process, if we palpate the anterior part of our shoulder, when we find that one, so we go to our like acromion, we kind of go down the front in front of the acromion, get to that point where it's at that bony thing popping, sticking out. That is our coracoid process. Remember our muscles that attach there would be the short head of the biceps. Our um, pectoralis minor will insert there. And then we'll also have our, um, I said the short head of the biceps. What's the other one? Our, our coraco, uh, coracobrachialis, duh, because in the name. Um, those are the ones that all attach there. So we could see that those muscles at least get weak entrapped there or other problems so that's kind of what's going on when it comes to thoracic outlet syndrome where it can get trapped so um i kind of went over our clavicle first rib corporal process of acrobium uh yep and so yeah i pretty much covered all the anatomy on this page all right guys so the etiology of this as i kind of said before the main thing is that the nerves and or arteries slash other vasculature will get entrapped somewhere so we have you know our interscalene triangle within the scalenes our uh, uh, thoracic outlet which is between the rib and the first rib and the clavicle and then it could also be in the sub acromion a sub 
coracoid space. So underneath our coracoid process, those are the main places where it gets stuck. And so just make sure we're understanding of that. And so how can this happen? So some people have an extra rib. I know there's someone in my prep course. I'm so sorry if I forget who it is. I guess I can't say maybe HIPAA, I don't know, but like, I forget who it is, but she's got, uh, she had to hit her first rib resected or an, she had an extra rib, something like that. But, um, if you have an extra rib or an abnormally sized rib or abnormally shaped rib, or the rib is just wonking out, that could cause a thoracic outlet syndrome. Cause that's going to decrease the amount of space between the clavicle and the first rib. And so we'll see that that's definitely going to cause issues with entrapment, especially where we're seeing there with the subclavian artery and vein that just extra space, just squishing everything. Another thing that we see is if somebody has had trauma to the shoulder girdle in any sort of way, the shoulder, the neck kind of area, and that could cause either a crush injury or, you know, increased tightness. So we know our people with motor vehicle accidents, a lot of times, like if they have it and they're like slammed forward, their neck gets super, super tight. This could include the scalenes. And then, you know, that's causing entrapment there. So then we could see, you know, neurological symptoms come from, you know, increasingly tight scalenes that are having due to like musculospasms and whatnot. So any sort of tightness of the scaling musculature, either it's muscle spasms or just gradually over time. Another thing that could cause this would be poor posture causing tightness of scalings. I'm gonna be honest, that is why mine is the way it is. My posture is not the greatest and I will be the first to admit it. I got the rounded shoulders and forward head. I got it all. I will admit it, but you know what? That makes me better for you guys to study from. So, you know, the first step is admitting I have a problem. I do my scapular retractions and pec stretches. I do them, I do them. It's just, this still happens. But anyways, uh, changes in body composition. So if an individual is uh, getting more large, it could pull their weight forward, causing, um, you know, increase in, you know, forward head and all those rounded shoulders stuff going on. Um, you could also see uh, just increase in adipose tissue, putting more pressure on all of the, you know, viscera and all of our, you know, muscles and arteries and nerves and everything, just to increase adipose tissue, putting more pressure on things. We could see that. Um, postural changes, as I said before, forward head, rounded shoulders. That's what we're seeing with postural changes, you know, coming forward, rounded over, hunched forward. Got to keep everything pulled back up. Good posture, retracted ears over your shoulders and whatnot. Um, any sort of degenerative disorders, these just cause lots of problems in general. And I'm talking like any, like either neurological, vasculature, just body in general, osteoarthritis, bone spurs popping up off the clavicle, who knows, just stuff, anything of that nature could cause it. And then there's things, if you have an abnormally long transverse processes of the spine, just it's like abnormally larger bones. Those also cause problems. Like the bones are getting in the way and causing entrapments. So that's kind of what's going on with our um, thoracic outlet syndrome. I would say for the boards, it would be, you know, we got tight scalenes. That's a big one. Some crush injury or uh, poor postural stuff, tight scalene muscles, extra rib. Those are the main ones that I would think about when it comes to the exam. All right, guys. So what does it look like? As I said before, you're going to have either pain in your arm or numbness in your arm weakness in your arm or all of the above. So a lot of times if it's going to be on once, it can be on one side or it could be on both. So for me, I have it mostly on my right side. So do I get pain in my arm? Not really. It just gets really tired and heavy kind of feeling. So like that heaviness could go along with the weakness kind of thing. So just, it's, it gets hard to hold it up. It starts getting numb. I, I wouldn't say I have atrophy pretty good when I lift weights, pretty even when I'm doing stuff, even going overhead. It's okay. 
it's fine. But um, for me personally, I get the numbness, the tingling, the weakness and heaviness when I have my arm overhead for too long, not so much pain, but there are individuals who will say this. And that's why they'll think like, oh, like my wrist, my hand, my, like my elbow hurts, like everything hurts. And then you have to explain to them it's coming from their neck. And they're like, what are you talking about? This is wild. And this is how it could end up being with like some like cervical radiculopathy going down that whole thing. But that's a story for another day. For thoracic outlet syndrome, for the exam, understanding that they're describing this on a person or they're being like, hey, what's the you know differential diagnosis? Because you do have to know like this person's having numbness in their hand and whatnot. Like, is this being an entrapment all the way in the thoracic outlet or is this just carpal tunnel? Like we kind of have to know like what's going on when it comes to this. So like understand that the whole arm ends up being numb. That means it's definitely coming from more towards the neck, cervical, shoulder girdle kind of thing, rather than if it's just the hand being numb, then that would be, you know, more of our carpal tunnel kind of thing. So seeing where is the problem when it comes to nerve things, it's like water going through, you know, a canal. If the dam shuts somewhere, everything downstream is messed up. So like if you have carpal tunnel in your hand and it's just carpal tunnel, that means it's just going to be in your hand. You're not going to have numbness in your neck for some reason. If there's numbness in the neck into the shoulder, that means it's coming from right at the spine in the neck, the downstream kind of thing. That's something you have to be aware of when it comes to neurological stuff, because they will ask you about this when it comes to different peripheral neuropathies. For thoracic outlet syndrome though, our weakness, our numbness, our tingling, all of that is definitely going to be in our, you know, symptoms that we're going to see when it pops up. Also, though, they will describe the person with poor posture as this forward head, rounded shoulders. I have a picture of this right here. Honestly, if we just want to stop sharing my screen and just blow me up with my forward head and rounded shoulders. Oh my gosh, I'm wearing the like wrong kind of thing. But like, you know, there's my neck, my C7, and I'm like sitting here and my shoulders are rounded forward and everything. That's what it is. My neck's out far. If I want to sit up straight and retract everything, here's where I am. That would be good posture. This is completely relaxed. It's coming forward like that. So that's what our forward head and rounded shoulders is that we're describing. I wore the wrong thing for this, but we can see this picture here is also kind of showing what's going on. And so we see that this can also cause some edema and discoloration. The edema and discoloration is more so... Um, edema could just be general swelling just due to other things but the discoloration could be like you know we're losing you know color in our hand it looks almost like we got rain odds in our hand because you know blood flow wasn't getting there because it's trapping the subclavian artery all of that stuff not good same sort of discolorations that we would see with you know our venous insufficiencies or our arterial insufficiencies kind of going down but that's if it's gotten really bad like the person usually notices by the time it gets that bad but if you let it go like let's say it's you have an extra rib and it's just crushing everything getting worse and worse and worse could get to that that point um and then it's more common in women and then it's more common in individuals between 30 and 40 years old so again just to recap pain in the arm numbness in the arm weakness in the arm due to poor posture forward head rounded shoulders the arm is just not working anymore. And you're like, oh man, why is it doing this? And it could be just due to certain positions or it could just be sitting all the time. So it could be, you know, worse at night as sometimes they describe, or it could just be in certain positions. Like for me, if I bring my arm up overhead, that's when I start feeling it. And then if I have it down, I'm good. I'm fine. It's if it's overhead for more than like 15 seconds. So just a good example of, of things on the exam. So here are our special tests that we can use for this. So I have videos linked below that um, where I talk about where it's literally these guys. These are the physio tutors. They're two dudes 
I don't like how this guy looks at me. I feel like he's looking into my soul. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I mean, like, it's great. They are great. These guys are great to follow. They explain everything really, really well. And I think they do a good job. So these are the three tests that you would use to test for thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, I would really suggest watching these videos for these guys. They do a great job explaining it, but I will just kind of demonstrate how it looks on me. So I'm going to stop my share for a second. So we have rights tests. So what you'll do is you'll bring your arm into 90 degrees of abduction, like external rotation all the way to 90 degrees. And then you will bring your hand and back, flex the elbow 90 degrees, make a fist and everything. And someone will come and they will do your pulse. So they'll take your radial pulse. So the person behind you is like taking your pulse and everything and whatnot. So they'll take your radial pulse and then they'll go and wait until there are no, like they can't feel your pulse anymore. That would be a positive sign. And then if they go up overhead afterwards, they will then take your pulse again and wait until all your symptoms diminish. So I wonder if I still have a pulse. Kind of. And then if you bring it back down, it comes back. That's usually the thing. So uh, what you would look for for a positive sign would be reproductive reproduction of symptoms. So getting numb or something like that or you would see um, decreased pulse, or you would just not have a pulse anymore. You can't feel it. All right, and then, so that's Wright's test. For uh, AdSense test, you're gonna come all the way, you're gonna bring your arm into like an almost like extension kind of thing. You're gonna come backwards like this into extension. So where my arm is now, you're gonna bring it back. You're also gonna take their pulse here. You're gonna turn your head to the affected side. So let's say that I'm using my right hand. I have my right arm kind of behind me. It's essentially extension and external rotation and stuff like that. So I'm gonna turn my head and I'm going to basically act as if I'm making a phone call on my right side, like have a phone in my hand or whatever. And you're just gonna have the patient breathe in and hold their breath. What you're feeling for is like, just for like 10 seconds, don't make them sit there until they go blue in the face. But what you'll look for is if you have reproduction of symptoms, because what we're doing here is we are collapsing our thoracic outlet kind of thing. And what you'll be looking for is if they're starting to go numb or if you can't feel their pulse anymore. So remember, we can have two types of thoracic outlet, either it's vasculature, which means that we don't feel a pulse anymore, or it's neurological, which is where they go numb. So for me doing this, I'm going numb, but if I go like this and I can still like feel my pulse, I still feel my pulse. So it's more of the numbness rather than the vasculature for me, which makes sense because I keep telling you it's in my scalenes, which is remember, that's where the brachial plexus comes out and that's where it squishes everything. Now, the last one is the easiest one that you do. You bring your arms up, both of them go into this abduction and external rotation. You And you bring your arms slightly behind the plane. So they're kind of back a little bit. So you feel a little bit of a pec stretch with this one. And what you'll do is essentially it's as if you make a touchdown but then come to 90-90 with your hands. So you have 90 degrees of abduction, 90 degrees of external rotation, and 90 degrees of flexion at the elbow. This is called ruse test. So the last one I showed you was Adson's maneuver, and the first one I showed you was Wright's test. This is ruse. So what you're going to do is you're just going to do what I'm doing right now. You're going to take your hands. You're going to open and close your hands. You keep them in this 90-90 position, goalpost kind of position for three minutes, and you have them keep going. A positive sign would be either they go numb, maybe that they uh, you can't feel the pulse anymore in their hand, maybe they start complaining of some heaviness. 
Um, and so all of those would be positive signs. This is the most sensitive test. Another thing that you might be seeing, and I don't know if you can see it now, my hands are going at different speeds. So I don't realize this. It's because my right hand, see how much is lagging behind the other one? And I'm not trying to do this, guys. So this would also be something if you, like my right hand is getting really heavy. I don't know if you see it starting to drop down. This is a really sensitive test. It's a really sensitive test. So like, I mean, it's going down. So you're supposed to have them in the air for 30, for three minutes. Oh my gosh, I must said 30 minutes, three minutes and see what happens. So you see my right hand's already going down and they're going at different speeds. And I promise I'm trying to do them at the same time. It's, I can't, I literally can't hold it up anymore. So that would be a positive sign because I was one going numb. My arm was getting heavy and it was dropping towards the ground. And then you also saw me just start complaining and stuff like that. So that would be a positive sign. That's ruse test. So we'll just go through it again. For right test, you go up like this. You put your, you take their pulse. You have them this 90-90. You wait until their pulse goes away or they have symptoms. Then you bring them up like this because that further collapses the like intercostal, like costoclavicular area. And then you see if they still have a pulse. That's right's test. And then for Addison's maneuver, you bring it back to extension as if you're trying to like grab something from someone behind you. I like to think it's like you're grabbing the baton from your like partner behind you and then you collapse and then you see what happens if they go numb or not. And then ruse, goalpost, hands. I like to think like the jazz hands, the, the clasping the hands. Okay, now my hand's like really numb. So those are our special tests. And um, I just want to make sure you guys were fully aware of that. Again, watch these guys, though. They explain it more in detail. I know sometimes you guys just like to hear how I explain it because somehow it sticks the way that I explain it. But these guys are experts. They know what they're doing. So these are the three tests for um, thoracic outlet. How do we treat it? So um, if there's a skeletal deformity, like there's an extra rib somewhere or we're like there's extra bone just kind of get in the way or something's abnormal, like along those lines, we're going to need surgical intervention because they'll need to either resect the rib. So take the rib out or shave down the surrounding area to decrease impingement and whatnot. And so that's what we would see with this individual. Um, and that would make it stop being entrapped again for us. Our main thing, because, you know, we're PTAs, we specialize in interventions. What are we doing with this patient? We're going to stretch the chest musculature. So pec minor and major do lots of pec stretches, kind of open up that area, bring everything back, kind of allow us to stretch the musculature in the front of the, the shoulder area to allow us to retract our scapula to get better postural awareness. So we would uh, stretch our chest musculature as well as our cervical musculature. So like some scalene stretches and some levator trap stretches. And then also, you know, some upper trap stretches just to kind of loosen up the area to keep it from getting more tight and impinged and just, you know, try to lengthen those muscles so they're not tight and spasming and contracting on themselves. We would want to strengthen on the other hand. So we're stretching all of our pecs and our cervical musculature. We want to strengthen our scapular retractors. So that's like our middle and lower traps and then also our rhomboids. And then we want to strengthen our cervical retractors because remember, to decrease the forward head, we want a cervical retract because of what that does is that strengthens the muscles in the front of our neck to be able to hold ourselves up a little bit better and then also stretches the muscles in the back of the neck to keep them from being super, super tight because that's how you get the forward head because you're going forward and your neck extensors are working over time. Um, so chin tucks, always doing, when my patients do chin tucks, I do chin tucks. I need to do my chin tucks. All right, guys. So postural correction exercises and then just education on postural awareness, proper ergonomics. So that's why I got, you know, chair with like 
proper ergonomics with like lumbar support, head support, all that stuff, because I do not want to be hunched over like that all the time. Got a standing desk to work on, you know, retraction, everything. Those things of that nature are super helpful, especially people sitting down at a desk all day or whenever they're performing their daily tasks, maybe they're like washing dishes and stuff like that. Make sure that they're not having bad posture while they're doing that. All right, guys, key words is going to be entrapment of the brachial plexus, entrapment of the subclavian artery or vein, uh, clavicle and first rib entrapment, or any sort of entrapment or tightness in the scalene triangle. So we're hearing the word entrapment a lot. That's kind of what's going on with this. This is an entrapment pathology. So that's kind of what's going on with this. Any sort of numbness or tingling in the affected arm, weakness or heaviness in the affected arm, those are also symptoms they'll use to describe this. And then if the individual has poor posture, so forward head, rounded shoulders. Um, another thing is they might say it's a violinist. That's another thing. I played violin for a while. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. But it was on the other side. I would have got on the other side. Anyways, um, those are the things we would talk about. So entrapment of either the brachial plexus, subclavian artery slash vein, or in the first rib kind of area, scaling triangle, all that numbness, tingling, weakness, heaviness, and poor posture. Those are our keywords. So guys, the moment we've all been waiting for, the sample question. A physical therapist assistant is treating a patient diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome. The patient presents with forward head and rounded shoulders. Which of the following interventions would be most appropriate for this patient to help correct their poor posture? One, stretching of the lower trapezius muscle. Two, strengthening of the pectoralis minor. Three, strengthening of the scalene musculature, or four, bilateral diagonal two pattern flexion. So that's bilateral D2 flexion. So I'll give you guys a second to think about that. All right, guys. So the answer is bilateral diagonal pattern two flexion. This is the bilateral D2 flexion. So D2 flexion, remember that's the one where we start with the hands in the pockets. We go up and we serve the pizzas overhead. So you start with your hands in your pocket on the opposite side. You're going to flex your shoulder up, abduction, external rotation, scapular retraction, come all the way up into this big scapular retraction and pec stretch. And then you come down. So if you're watching this, on YouTube, you can see me doing this in the top right corner. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this one where we pull the sword out of the pocket and hold the pizza overhead. That's how I remember it. That's how I do it. This is a good postural exercise to help pull everything back to retract everything because of the main and open up the chest kind of thing, which is what we want to do with this patient with thoracic outlet, because that is going to work on stretching the front of the chest which we wanna do. And it also works on retracting our shoulders and strengthening our back musculature. And that is exactly how we wanna treat this patient. So we would not stretch the lower trap. We would strengthen the lower trap. We would not strengthen the pecs. We would stretch the pecs. We don't wanna strengthen the scalenes. We wanna stretch the scalenes. So then we would do diagonal, bi bilateral, diagonal, wow. Bilateral diagonal pattern to flexion. And that's the fancy way the board describes D2 flexion. All right, guys, I hope this was helpful in explaining thoracic outlet syndrome. I will see you guys in the next one. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PTA Elevation Podcast. We look forward to continually serving you as you embark on your journey towards becoming a licensed physical therapist assistant. We thank you for your continued support and we'll see you in the next episode.